On today's Story Beat. Treat everybody, everybody you work with, with respect. And I mean everybody. <laughs> because working in the theater, particularly, is like being in a Dickens novel. <laughs> you never know when a person that you're working for will return, will reappear in, uh, you know, a different position or different relations, <laughs> right? You know, then in 15 years, they're the artistic director that you're, that you're auditioning for, so. This is Story Beat with Steve Cuton, a podcast for the creative mind. Story Beat explores how masters of creativity develop and produce brilliant works that people everywhere love and admire. So join us as we discover how talented creators find success in the worlds of imagination and entertainment. Here now is your host, Steve Cuden. Thanks for joining us on StoryBeat. We're coming to you from the Steel City, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My guest today, Martin Giles, is an actor, director, and writer based here in Pittsburgh. He was a founder and longtime artistic director of the legendary alternative theater, the New Group Theater. As an actor, Martin has performed at Picked Classic Theater, City Theater, Quantum Theater, Bricolage, Pittsburgh Public Theater, Actors Theater of Louisville, and Studio Theater in D.C., among others. He has performed several times with the Pittsburgh Opera Theater and with the Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra. Favorite roles include Crap in Crap's Last Tape, Estragon in Waiting for Godot, J.P.W. King in the Gili Concert, Vanya in Uncle Vanya, Jimmy Jack in Translations, and Gregor's Werrell in The Wild Duck. Martin has directed dozens of plays for the New Group Theater, including works of Ibsen, Beckett, Chekhov, Strindberg, Faux, Elliot, Genet, and Shaw. For Quantum Theater, he's directed When the Rain Stops Falling, The End of the Affair, John Gabriel Borkman, Parlor Song, and The Master Builder. And for Picked, The Well of the Saints, the Dumb Waiter, Not I, The Boar, How the Other Half Loves, A Skull in Connemara, and his own Beautiful Dreamers. His most recent work includes playing Teddy in Downstairs for City Theater and Bottom in A Midsummer Night's Dream for Picked Classic Theater and adapting 10 stories from the Decameron for Quantum's 10 for 21 and writing and performing a short solo piece, Whispers of Heavenly Death for City Theater. Martin's also taught acting and directing at Ohio University, Carnegie Mellon University, and Point Park University. In 2002, Martin was awarded the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette Performer of the Year. For the record, I've had the great good fortune to get to know Martin a tiny bit while seeing much of his outstanding work here in Pittsburgh. So it's a great thrill for me to welcome the brilliant, prolific Martin Giles to StoryBeat today. Marty, welcome to the show. Wow, brilliant, prolific. <laughs> now you have to live up to that. I know. Good God. No pressure. <laughs> so let's go back in time. Tell us a bit about your history. You've obviously been at the acting game for a little while now, but at yeah. what age did the bug first bite you? When did you start to get interested in all of this? Uh, when I was in high school, really. Yeah. What happened? And, well, I have to blame my brother for this. Uh, my brother, Jeffrey, uh, who's a year younger than I was actually 11 months younger than I, but that's another story. Um, mom was very fertile. Anyway, <laughs> he was in the, the uh, 
choir at, in, in, our, in our high school, and the choir was always used in the, in the fall musical. Right. As the chorus in the fall musical. And I was not in the choir, and, but they didn't have any, uh, they didn't have enough men, as usual. Right. And so they actually grabbed me out of class one day. He suggested me to the choir master. They took me out of class and made me sing I, something like, like the national anthem or something, you know, a cappella. And they went, okay, you're a tenor, you're in choir. <laughs> so, but when we did, we were in, um, we did the show, which was, the show was actually Fiddler on the Roof. I was like, what have I been missing? This is, uh, this is what I should be doing. This is, I, it just, you know, it was just magical. Was, was it was it the was it everything was rehearsals and then the audience and yeah. all that all, all oh on? yeah it was everything it was everything it was just yeah the process was fascinating the you know and then just yeah getting out in front of the audience and so then I auditioned for a um, for the community theater uh, very quickly after that and I played the and this would never happen nowadays thankfully uh, but I actually ended up playing Ito the Japanese houseboy in a production of Mame uh, yeah that wouldn't um, happen today that would wouldn't it? happen now no. um, you know, I got laughs and I got to do a, you know, a song and dance and, and the whole thing, you know, the, being around the whole thing. Was just, is, is there anything more intoxicating than getting laughs and applause? Getting laughs particularly uh, is, <laughs> is the most intoxicating thing. And once that happens for you and you know you have that power, yeah. <laughs> many people can't get away from it forever. Well, it also, like for me, it seemed, it seemed right. You know what I mean? It seemed like... Um, I never quite knew, you know, I mean, I was only 17, I think at the time, but I never really quite had any, I, I wrote a lot. Um, I was always, you know, writing stories and stuff, but I, I, I never, I didn't really have an idea what I was going to do. When you do were writing then, it was prose, it wasn't plays. It was prose, you know. Prose. Yeah. But, and but lots again, of bad poetry. And lots of bad poetry. Right, right. Well, sometimes it's hard to tell, isn't it? <laughs> No, the, you could tell this was bad. This was bad. This was, <laughs> was bad, bad poetry. Yeah. I've uh, saved some of it just to embarrass myself every once in a while. It's it's uh it's hard to tell at that age at seventeen. Oh yeah, you exactly think what it is you're going to do. Yeah. Sometimes people know. Sometimes people Some absolutely people know. Do, yeah. No. But for me, it was. It was. I didn't really have an idea. Did you then go to school? Did you go learn about it? Well, I went to. Uh, I actually was going to be. Uh, I actually thought first of being an English major. And Where, where'd you go? I went to Allegheny College you went to in Meadville, Pennsylvania, right north of here. Yeah. Right. But I thought, you know, I'll, I'll do theater while I'm there too. And I'll do some things on the side. And um, yeah, so I took a lot of theater classes and I ended up double majoring. And, and But I did most of the work for the student theater and I wrote lots of comedy reviews speaking of getting laughs so, so it, that was kind of where i that was kind of where i really started to go oh yeah this is really what i want to do so so at that time you were still then doing as much performing as you could muster yeah and what were you specializing in anything at that time or were you just whatever was coming you took yeah when I, yeah when i worked for the student theater we we did we did uh, regular plays too i remember being in uh private lives an old card play and, and uh, playing uh, the uh, Finch and how to succeed in business without really trying, which is a license to ham was a wonderful thing. But then for the drama department, we did, you know, we did Chekhov and Tennessee Williams. And so I got, you know, so I got a, a real education in doing some you know, serious stuff too. And, I, and I actually, I think when we, when I was in the production of Three Sisters, which was the Chekhov play, and I 
that was where I first realized what acting was. You know, I first started learning to act, learning how to act. I realized what was required of an actor, and and also some. Um, I got some idea of how how to do it <laughs> for the first time. You know, so everything really up to, up, to, up to that point, it was mostly intuitive. Intuitive and and fumfering around and making mistakes like everybody exactly, else. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I had a I had a talent, but that's such an unrefined thing. You know, that's such a no. That's just the beginning. You know. Exactly. So, who did you at that time in, in the world of actors? Who did you look up to? Who did you think, wow, I, that's a really great career, or that's a really incredible performer? That's someone I admire and would love to follow in their footsteps. You know, I think when I was in college, well. Um, real heavyweights. So it was like it was like Laurence Olivier and Marlon Brando. I remember I loved I loved Brando. Did you did you try to emulate them in some way on stage? No, no. You just knew the thing I loved about Olivier high. was the transformate the transformative uh, part of his talent. Explain for the listeners what you mean by his transformative talent. Uh, well, it's he, it's he, obvious to me, but <clears throat> explain it for yeah. Us. Well, he did, he just never he 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 made himself look different and sound different. Uh, uh, for every character. I mean, there's, I don't know how true these stories are, but uh, <laughs> there's a story of how he, he started with the nose. Like when he was building a character, he would, he would start with the, by building himself a false nose. <laughs> he would say, this character has a bulbous nose, or this character has a hooked nose, or this character has a... Um, but I mean, he was very into the, the, he was into physicality and physical differences between his characters. He, he no notoriously worked from the outside in. Yeah. Notoriously, that, yeah. Notoriously, and there's a there's a famous moment when they were doing um, shooting Marathon Man. Oh with, right, uh, right. With uh, Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman. And, why don't you try uh, acting? Like you? Yes. Why don't you try acting? Is exactly Just right. Dustin Hoffman had he was supposed to be. I guess it was this torture scene, right? And yes. so he stayed up for two days and didn't wash, and he was like he was a wreck. He was exhausted. And, Right, he came into the makeup trailer, I guess, and Livia was there drinking tea or something. <laughs> just, you look like hell. You're dry acting, my dear boy. It's so much easier. You know? Something like that, I think. It's so, so Olivier was a big inspiration early on. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Who do you look to now? Who do you look at and admire and say, "Wow, that's that's really great stuff now." Oh, so a lot, so many people. I mean, it's hard to. It's really hard to narrow it down. I mean, obviously, uh, Anthony Hopkins comes from him. Amazing. Probably jumps right to mind. Yeah, I think maybe I haven't seen The Father, but I think the best performance I've ever seen in a film by an actor was he played the butler in uh, Remains the of, of the Day. Remains of the Day. That's it. Yeah, that is just some of the most sublime film acting that I have ever seen. It's just he's he's really extraordinary. Well, his explained technique is, I think, exceptional. He apparently will read a script a hundred times prior to you know performing it's interesting i saw him uh i saw him interviewed on uh, i think stephen colbert's show mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago with florian zeller the director and writer of, of the father right and colbert asked him you know how did you you know get into this how did you play this crazy it's a character and you know and colbert's an actor too and, and it was trained as an actor so um but i fear an american actor so um i'm kidding <laughs> um but he but hopkins was really insistent on saying i learned my words i learned my words i spent all this time with my script i learned my words i i brought them into my so I didn't even have to think about them and they made sense and they gave me ideas and they, you know, so he, he had this, he made this big point of, of that, you know, the nuts and bolts of it, the tech, 
the technical aspect of it and the you know no, not the romance of it but the the, the nitty-gritty of it the, the the brute force of just working it yeah and and yeah. apparently he knows everybody's line so he just knows exactly <laughs> what's going to happen uh, well i wouldn't be surprised yeah so at what point in your young life did you think to yourself, you know what, I am actually pretty good at this, and I think I can make a go at this as something to do for, for my life? How old were you? Probably in my mid middle 20s. I don't think I was ever, I ever have been convinced that I was that good at it, but uh, it, it, um, you mean to this day? Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I, and I feel like, uh, well, you're still on a journey, I, aren't you? Yeah, and I feel like I didn't really start to get, really get it, like really get control of the whole thing until I was like in my 50s, you know, so it's like, you know, or, and I, I wouldn't even say control, but I would say like a just sort of a, a coherence to it, a sense to it. And so, so, so I want to, I want to explore this just a little bit because I think, okay. I think it's important for those that are trying to figure out if they want to do this in yeah. their life. Oh. Um, that, that don't is the answer. Uh, no, see, I don't agree with that. Like, you know, you're, you always get to hear that with college professors are always telling you that, you know. My advice to you as you begin your journey in the theater is to get out, you know. <laughs> that kind of you know, well, you're just okay. like, oh. so So the process that you've been through where you've gone many years where yeah. you had, I'm going to guess, certain uh, doubts or uncertainties about your career, your life, your abilities, and so yeah. on. Yeah. What do you do psychologically to work your way through those? How do you handle that? I, for one thing, I depend on the fact that it's my vocation. Sure. Uh, I mean, and I mean, I choose that word. Uh, it's it, it is a vocation. It feels mm -hmm. to me. I won't go so far as to say a mission, because <laughs> I'm not going to proselytize and make make everyone convert to being an actor. Um, but uh, <laughs> it, it, it won't work. No, it won't. So th I think that that's been a steady a steady sense of it. But it it, it really is persistence uh, and endurance, and it and it's also just like the endless fascination, which I guess is part of what makes it your vocation. You know, mm -hmm. you sort of, you end up sort of having a need. For a need for it, a need to do it, and a need to pursue it because you're always pursuing it. Well, well like I said earlier, it's like once you got that bug yeah. that bit you, it's yeah. in your blood system, and it's and I really think people, hard to get out. Yeah, and I think any, I think most actors, you know, and even people who are not actors who who have who have who have come near it in some way, like who've done community theater or who have, they they will under, completely understand that. It's like, yeah, you, it's. It's what you do. You can't, <laughs> you know. Is it still with alive? all the doubts, with all your doubts? Sure. Is yeah. it still fun for you? Do you still go oh, through? Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 So, so that that doesn't go away. I guess if that went away for you, you might start thinking differently. It's not a yeah. It's not a. It's not like a thrill all the time. Sometimes it's you. You just feel like you haven't really gotten to it. I remember um, there's a another uh, actor from Pittsburgh, uh, Larry Myers, who one time said, who, who, was, who said some sort of thing where uh, you, you took, he used a baseball analogy where he was saying that, you know, if you're a great hitter in baseball, you, you get on base once in three times, right? Well, baseball right. is a sport, you're sort of set up for failure. And he said, it's the same thing with being an actor when you, if you do 10 perform, but, but worse, if you do 10 performances, maybe two of them <laughs> are, you know, are the ones where you felt great. The other thing that was baseball, in baseball, it's, there's something objective about it. So if you got that one hit, everyone saw it, they went, yeah, the bat hit the ball and, you know, <laughs> it landed in the grass, right? In the theater, 
you might have thought those were two great performances, but if you actually talk to people afterwards, they'll go, I thought you were a little off tonight. And then they'll tell you, <laughs> you can come out, you know, deeply depressed with what your with your efforts of the night before and and you know the audience someone from the audience will come up to you and go man you were on fire out there tonight <laughs> so it's a there's a whole subjective element to it well too, and you and you aren't working in a <clears throat> vacuum you're not um it, you're, it's not canned on film or, or no. on video you're no. working with this other element called the audience yeah and they're part of every performance and each, and you're not working with the same audience over and over again. You're always working with a different audience. Which, which is a huge, which is a huge factor or factors, right? I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it changes, changes the chemistry of the night immeasurably, you know, and so From you, one side of the stage to the other too. I mean, it's like, <laughs> I guess literally you, and Oh you, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And one little thing that you do tonight differently than last night can change sort of the whole tenor of the whole night it could be magic or disaster or boring or <laughs> all right let's let's yeah. talk about how you get there so okay. when you begin to work on a role uh, aside from the obvious which is that you need to read the script right. uh, aside from that where right. do you begin okay you've read the script you've got the part you've been cast um where do you begin what's your first step in the process what do you start to do it's interesting you were saying uh, um Olivier was, you know, notoriously from when notorious for working from outside in, and then as I mentioned Brando before that Brando was would probably have been notorious for working inside out, right? And that's sure. the, that. But I think those things are, and I, I'm probably Olivier and Brando would say the same thing. Those things are. There's a place where they kind of become the same, become the same thing in a way. Um, you you have to make a first step, like you have to be you have to make make a first choice, right? Mm -hmm. um, because your performance doesn't come out of the ether. So I start with trying to be open um, and hear and listen to the character. And so, yes, re so reading the script over and over as Mr. Hopkins, as Sir Anthony would do, is absolutely right. So you, you, you do multiple readings before you start to dig into the character work sure. itself. Yeah, the character oh, and also the character. Uh, and it's good to read it out loud to read, you know, and the character kind of starts to reveal itself to you. First of all, acting is a stage acting, which is pretty much what we're talking about, I guess. It's, just, it's an incredibly physical medium, right? I mean, right, if, sure. So I, t I tend to start with my body first. You know, I tend to try to figure out, feel where the character is, um, by what the character is doing. Um, so, so those are, that's your evidence to work on is what you're reading in the play. They, if yeah. the characters, if yeah. you were doing a play where the character was running all the time, you would work out through running. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Right. Sometimes it's like feeling a center of gravity. Sometimes it's, it's kind of feeling where your feet are. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is this happens as you're rehearsing too. You know, you, you, uh, you, you try all kinds of different, you try all kinds of different things to make it feel right with what you know about what the character is doing. I mean, other things acting is doing too, right? So- Is that the most challenging aspect of creation is, is yeah. finding it? It's, yeah, oh yeah, tedious, frustrating, um, and then sometimes thrilling and, and, and also just hard work. And, and so there's the, 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 the good feeling of hard work, you know? I, I like, I often start with the, the old, uh, maybe I'm, uh, this will be a sort of simplified version of Stanislavski, right? Where you think about the character, what the character wants and how, 
right? To me, I say this to acting students, right? It's like we say objective action, objective and action, and right? So right. it's like what the character wants, what the character does to get what they want, and then how the character does what <laughs> the character does to get and, what they and want. hopefully if the playwright has done a good job, there's something in the way. So that you yeah, get well, some, yeah, of some form yeah, of conflict. You're always well, there'll be, that there are there. other people other characters and other actors doing exactly the same, going through the exactly the same sure, process. Sure, so, sure. Yeah. So, so it's so it's it, it's mind and body, you know, that's why the inside, outside, outside, inside thing is is uh, it depends to me it depends on the character, on which character on what character I'm playing in what play. Uh, are you are you saying you, you work it both ways? You yeah, work outside yeah. in and inside out. Yeah at the sure. same time so well they happen at the same time too mm -hmm, that's the thing mm -hmm. you you find that if if you if you come up with a gesture if you have a, ge a gesture and sometimes you you know the gesture maybe is a choice because you're looking for something and it could and it might feel right or feel wrong it evokes something right and or in and invokes something right and then sometimes you're playing the scene and you and you've somehow tapped into a, an, an emotional thing and that will form your form you physically right so that will create the gesture right the whatever the emotion or the the action that you decide to do because of that emotion or are you so are I've, you a uh, are you a deep researcher on characters yeah sure so so you go out of your way to find things outside of the play yeah that help you with character. Yeah, things things around the play though, like nothing, to, you know. And it, but again, it depends on the play. Like sometimes they're just if you're playing. Um, well, I played Bottom in Midsummer Night's Dream, and right. what, I don't think I did much research for that. <laughs> how do you how do you do research for for Bottom? Right. You you, you would sit. <laughs> sit around a lot that's right and then your bottom and scratch oh. your scratch your beard and scratch your beard yes indeed so I, i'm just wondering you've now worked with tons of directors over time and you've been a director right. yourself yeah. right. what is the process for you once you've sort of figured out somewhat toward what you're trying to get to with a character now you're going to go into rehearsal and you're right. going to start working with the other actors and a director what is it that you want from a director when you go into rehearsal? What are you looking for? I, I always want the director to, I always want the director to be active and to tell me what they want. My ideas can be, can be shaped by a general, or by a direct, by a direction. Mm -hmm. um, because of course we're eventually, we eventually want to be completely uh, concrete and specific, right? Um, mm -hmm. Otherwise it's a murky, boring mess, which um, unfortunately much theater is because there aren't that many very good directors, but I mean, it's a hard job. So, um, and also directors all approach it differently. Um, you know, there are some directors who are very hands-off, right? And, they, and there are some directors who are, you know, in there with every little detail and- uh, do, you, do you have a preference? I like to, I, I am perfectly happy with a director who gives me a lot of, a lot. A lot of detail. Yeah. Actually sure. says, go here, do this, do that, etc. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And here's what you should be thinking at this moment, or here it's an as if here, uh, and and has and it's that specific for you. Sure, and I, and I might disagree, and we might not actually end up with it 
being that way. But again, it's the, the performance doesn't come from the ether, right? It comes from interaction. It comes from, uh, you know, it's, it's forged that way, right? You do so many things wrong before you do something right, right? But you have to do things, right? You can't... Uh, you, you have to make some mistakes in order to come out with yeah, the... Yeah, sure. With the, and you have to problem. maybe have arguments and conflicts and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and also try something. And, and sometimes those are just in yourself, right? Try something that you didn't think of, right? <laughs> um, because- how, how, how often have you done that and it, the result was just extremely good? You, you were surprisingly good. Many times. Many times. I mean, I can't, can't even count them, sure. Yeah. Right, so, so, you, so you're, you're looking for someone to, uh, for lack of a better term, break the mold a little bit because you've come up with, you've come in with something that maybe you think is the way to go. Yeah. And they have to break that your mold in order to get you to, to go down a slightly different yeah. Well, hopefully you've talked to them a little bit uh, from the beginning of the process. Sure, uh, of course. So that you have some sense of what they're after. But So, um, so can you think of a one or more specific directions that you've gotten from someone, and you can name oh, names or not, can you think of anything that someone said to you that had has had a lasting impact on how you approach acting? Oh, I remember um, a long, long time ago when I was first out of college and I was back in, I'm from Rochester, New York, and I was back in Rochester and I was, I was there for the summer and I was like, I don't know what I'm, I was actually there for a couple of years before I moved to Pittsburgh and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing with myself. I did a, some theater at the Jewish Community Center there. Right. Uh, they had this really good little sort of semi-pro theater uh, and there was a guy there who was the kind of the artistic director, his name was Herb Katz. Uh, He was kind of the, he was the first person who really taught me a lot of great stuff about acting. But the thing that he said to me was, you're very smart, Marty, but we don't need to see how smart you are. (laughs) Like he did, he said, we don't want to see what you're thinking or that you're thinking or that you realize things, right? We want to see the results of that. And that's all we want to see. We want to see the result of your thoughts. Not that you're thinking. That's very interesting and telling comment because yeah. uh, I I often think to myself when I'm watching actors perform, they're being mannered about. Yes, it. yes. A- and instead of just being, they're being mannered. Right. And that's you don't want to see effect. your process. We want to see the results. Well, that's what you're the at rehearsals least momentarily of the process. Of right. the process. Sure, sure. So the, I mean, the, the the rehearsal period is for the process. And the outcome of that rehearsal period should be that we're just seeing actors being, being in, in the, the moment. The character, yeah. A- absolutely. Yeah. Um, and and, it, and, and it, it seems, in some ways it seems obvious, but it's, it's actually difficult to do because you, especially as a young actor for me, because, and you know, young and smart, um, <laughs> um, that I, because I thought, well, I thought I was being the character because that's what the character was thinking, mm-hmm. you know, and I wanted the audience to know that the character had realized this thing and come to this point. And he's like, no, 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 just show us what you realize. Don't show us that you're realizing it, right? I mean, it's that- You've done a lot of directing as well. And so how have these lessons or any lesson has that from being an actor, how has that applied to your being a director? Has it been very helpful to be sure. an actor in order to direct? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for one thing, you know what the actor's going through. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
Yeah, and it, it, it all goes back to, to the thing that I said at the, uh, earlier when you asked the first, when you first asked me uh, how I was, how I approached the thing. And I think the word I used was openness. Uh, and that's, yeah, I mean, as an actor, you should be, you, you can have all, a million ideas, but be open to what the director have you, have you, give you and be open to what the other actors are going to give you because that's sure. a very important thing too. But also as a director, um, obviously you're going, you're going to have, uh, and I'm the kind of director who wants to be, who wants to be really detailed. And as I've aged and, <laughs> and uh, refined, I have been less demanding about that. I mean, I want us to, the result to be deep, to obviously to be specific and detailed, um, but I don't have to come up with all the details. That's <laughs> right. I just have to make sure that we're all going in the same in the same direction and and, and uh, trying to express the same thing and the same ideas. So, with without naming names, um, <laughs> my assumption is is that you have worked. I mean, you've worked with hundreds of different actors over time. Oh boy! Uh, yeah. What do you do as a director when an actor is not getting it, or is not cooperating with you, or is just not? cutting the mustard and i'm not talking about firing them i'm talking about how do you work with them yeah. what kind of things do you do to to get an actor to come you almost never fire them that's <laughs> you almost never fire them never yes. fire. so what do you do you you your choice then is to figure out how to work with them so but what do you do that's what you do you you try to figure out how to work with them you try well, you try but no i'm serious because it's not um I don't think there's like there's one answer to that question. There's no it's, there's no trick for no, it. Uh, there's no I don't think there's a trick. No, uh, there's um, depends on the obviously depends on the actor, right? Um, so obviously, I think you try to get to know the actor and you try to figure out where they're where they're coming from, um, what they're made of. Sometimes it becomes you know really unsavory, but uh, I'm just. Um, you, you I, would, to, I would hope for in some cases it's a good thing that it's unsavory oh yeah sure <laughs> you need to wash a lot but other than that it's um no but it is it is a good thing yeah you know what it is though steve it's again it's persistence you just you persist you try stuff you um the thing is you you work with what you have right of course uh, well that's that's exactly uh, right you work with what so you that have. so a lot of times you have to change your ideas to make as, the, as because, both a, as both a director and, a, and an actor you have to change your ideas yes yeah to make the uh because we're we're all we're hopefully all serving the the whatever piece we're doing right i, I we I'll, I'd say the play but sometimes it's not even a play it's a, it's a some kind of piece right but most often it's a play to serve the to serve the play um, all right so so back to being an actor again because we were talking for a moment about being a director but but right. back to being an actor a little bit it you've gone through the rehearsal period you're you're about to open a show or now you've opened it and you're in a run Right. Um, what is your what is your um, performance preparation? What do you do? Do you have any particular preparation that you go through? Um, yeah, read the play. You read the play daily. Daily, yeah. And then make sure your make sure your body's ready. You know, um, be as relaxed and warmed up, and you know, and f feeling your feeling your instrument. That's, <laughs> as best you can, right? Get as much of the tension, as much tension out as you can. Try to be, um, I'm not, I don't need, I don't need a long period of, of quiet or anything like that beforehand, but, but I like to, I personally like to go backstage. You know, if I'm in the first scene of the play, I'll be backstage before five, before five or 10 minutes um, and just be there, you know, be in the world. 
I also like going on stage bef like before the audience gets in because I like to like visit the world and go. Oh, so, so, so you're you're you'll show up at half hour prior to show. Oh, yeah? earlier than that. Earlier than that, and and An hour, do you usually do you uh, do you go through some sort of stretching exercises sure. or vocal yeah. warm up? Stretching, vocal warm ups. Get on sort the stage. Yeah. Tra traditional uh, warming up that many actors do. Yeah. 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 There's nothing particularly quirky or special about what you do. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I have my own prayers. Well, good. But that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> Those are, you know, custom custom prayers from, from me, but um, offerings to the goddess and muses. I have to assume at this point, you're not nerve-wracked by performance. Totally. You're totally nerve-wracked. Totally nerve-wracked every single time. Really? Oh, yeah. And yep. and what do you do to quell that, or don't you? Don't. You don't. I mean, you go, you go relax as much, you know, stretch and, and, and be, be as physically relaxed as I can be. But no, it's, and it, you know, it's the thing I realize about it is, is it's part of, uh, I think it's just the way my body reacts to adrenaline or something, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. And the fear of totally screwing up, of course, but um, going out there and, you know, we, we always, we have this joke, uh, uh, Jim Fitzgerald and I frequently, when I, I'll go up to him and right before, because we've been in a many, sh many shows together. And, and Jim's been a guest on Story Beat as well. I know, before me, which, but never mind that. Uh, we won't, I, I, I'm fine, Steve, I'm fine. Um, but uh, you, you get a prize for going second. <laughs> oh good i'll look forward to that um but but i have this thing where i would well i'll go up to him like backstage and go what if what if what if i go out there and 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 i don't do anything what if i just go out there and i and i don't say anything i don't do anything i just stand there because you won't you'll be all right <laughs> well you know marlon brando famously said going back to marlon brando he famously said when they call action it doesn't mean that you have to do anything, <laughs> which is just a fantastic thing to say. Well, but I think his point was that you, his point is that you don't have to do it right away, right? I mean, you, you do, especially in, in film, you don't have to do it right away. Exactly. Um, in the theater, you kind of have to, you kind of well, have to and pop the, through the door or wherever you're coming from and it, start doing something. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart famously called making movies little pieces of time. So yeah. you, you, you're shooting a little piece of something and lots of little pieces then get put together to make a whole movie. Yeah, I mean, we, we haven't talked about that. Uh, that. We've been talking about stage stuff mostly. But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a very different technique and a very different uh, experience. How do, how do you approach working on camera differently? What do you think? You think well, in terms of the script, I, I do the same. I think I do the same thing. As, I do the same kinds do of things. Do you thing. read the whole script every day when you're on set? Um, well, I haven't been on set that often. <laughs> <laughs> I've, not, I've not done a lot of a lot of film stuff, but but no, I, I certainly read the scenes, you know, the scenes we're going to work on or the scenes that I'm going to be shooting and do, um, you know, do that same kind of work of remembering where I came from, <laughs> like what happened right before this and uh, and what I want in the scene, like what I'm after in the scenes. So, yeah. Right. So, so it's the, so the process of coming to the character is similar, similar. but you, but there's, I'm going to guess there's a huge difference between what there has to be between working on a play and working on a something on camera. And that is that in on a play, you're going to work for days or weeks in rehearsal right. to do the whole thing at one time. Right. 
and on a movie or a TV show or whatever you're shooting, yeah. um, you are not working for weeks. You're coming in that day. They're expecting you to know what you're doing yeah. and you just have to do yeah. what they're telling you to do quickly. <laughs> yeah, quickly. And, but not for very long, generally. Right. And, and the other thing about it is when they're, when you're, when you're done, you're done. It's, you never say those words again. No. Yeah, whereas in the theater, you come, you know, you do it for weeks usually, right? You come back the next day and you do it again. Absolutely. Right? So, yeah. so it's a very, very different experience. Yeah. Extremely yeah. different. And, and, and some actors are really happy to only work on movies or TV. And some yeah. actors are really happy to only work in the theater. Yeah. And some are both, you know, obviously. I, I, I much prefer working in the theater, but, um, I, but I find working in, on camera really fascinating and uh, really interesting. N n no doubt. So you have also done a lot of comedy and a lot of drama. You've done a lot of both. It's not, right. like, you're a, it's not like you're known for doing one or the other. You do right. both. Right. Do you have a preference? If I said to you, you were only going to do comedy or drama for the rest of your career, would you choose? I choose comedy. Comedy, tell, yeah, because of that intoxicating laughter that comes from the audience. It's also it's also uh, harder. It's it's harder. It's like more challenging. Um, so yeah, and and so what is it about comedy that makes it more challenging? What well, is it's it? it's totally technical. <laughs> It's 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 Edmund Gwen, isn't it? It's, it's uh, yeah, it's getting the machine really oiling the machine. Dying <laughs> is easy, comedy is hard, right? Comedy is hard. That's right. That's, that's exactly <laughs> it. That's exactly. What it. would you say is the most challenging set experience you've ever had, and how did you manage it? You ever have something go completely kablooey on you on in on a, stage? On, on stage? Oh God, so many times. Um, the worst thing that happens was when. Uh, in my at my old theater company, the New Group Theater, where lots of strange things happened because it was a tiny theater, a tiny uh, sort of informal, you know, really small space that was always uh, different every time we did a show. But we were doing Ibsen's When We Dead Awaken, and um, the woman that I was in the scene with, her name was Donna Grant, a beautiful actress and a very close friend of mine had a heart attack and died in on, the middle of the scene on stage <laughs> on stage oh yes. my my goodness yeah she went oh i looked over at her because she was kind of fumbling her lines we, we did this little uh, I, I had also uh, foolishly directed the play i was in it and directed it and i had done this thing where we were on this long bench and i was facing this one way and she was sitting on the other side of the bench facing the other way and we were like it's very expressionistic and uh, <laughs> and um she it was I started the we was we weren't looking at each other as we were talking to each other that was the idea and she then started to fumble her lines and I just kind of glanced over at her and as I glanced over she went backwards off the oh edge. my goodness it, I mean it was the most horrible horrible thing ever and um the but the it the, the bizarre thing was the audience sat perfectly still for a very long time after I'd yelled for the stage manager to call an ambulance, it took them a long time to realize that this wasn't the play anymore. It wasn't in the play. They were, it was very strange. You could tell that they were fine. And then somebody actually said that to me later. They were like, for the longest time, we thought this play has taken a strange turn. <laughs> Holy moly. Yeah, it was bizarre. It was bizarre. Do, you, do, you know, do you know about, and I don't want to digress too much here, but do you, do you know oh, about- Oh, go ahead. <laughs> about the Dick Sean and when he died, do you, do you know that story? I re I think I this is starting big. So famous, 
really well-known comedian dick sean yeah dick sean uh he had a hilarious he was doing a one-man show and at the end of the first the first act of his one-man show he would go to sleep on the on this couch on stage and then he would stay there through the intermission and when the audience would come in the second act of the play would go well he died on the couch in the intermission (laughs) so it took them a long time to figure out that he wasn't going to keep performing they thought it was they thought this was very modern right he was really taking it to an extreme you know right holy moly let's talk which is very dick sean like it is well that's the problem is it was it's dick sean like so they didn't know what to do with it It was it was in character all right so let's talk for a moment about teaching um because i know you've done a bunch of that right Uh, what how do you teach actors to audition i know you've done plenty of auditioning in your life what is your philosophy toward auditioning? How do you how do you teach them what um, to do? The, 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 the main thing is that you have to like, I don't, I'm not sure I do anything terribly differently from, um, but the main thing is uh, to just be, to start, you know, start st- definite, start strong, like get a, make it, make your, to me, the idea is to make the piece, the audition piece, a little, a, a performance of its own in the sense of not thinking about, um, so if you're doing a, you know, if you are doing a monologue from, you know, nor- from uh, Doll's House or something, um, are there any monologues in Doll's House? There might not be, but um, <laughs> but you could make one out of parts of it. But if you, you know, you know, don't think about, don't think about everything that came before and everything, you know, do, you know, don't think about it in terms, think about it in terms of it's a, it's, it's a piece, right? So you come in and you start your piece and then you finish your piece, right? Um, you're, you're saying that an actor should take a tack or a or a, yeah. a position on what they're doing. Do something definite and as definite. if as if it's the only thing, right? If it is, if that moment is the whole thing. That's very so, good. That's so very that you good. so you step on, you <laughs> right? You're you're there. You do it. You do the silly. Uh, you slate. I think that's what they Well, that's for film work. I know, but uh, people actually say that in theater auditions too, sometimes. Oh, they do. They um, say slate. I'm yeah. slating now. Yeah. Huh. Um, anyway. I not know that. <laughs> you, yeah, you come in and introduce yourself, but then you take that, you know, whatever, take that breath, take that little thing and boom, go. Right. That's the All beginning right, so of the piece. Over the years, I mean, you, you've, I assume you've taught many classes. You've already taught at three different schools at least. Uh, yes. and you've taught many classes and classrooms, you know, I taught for 10 years as well. And each class has its own chemistry, much like each audience has its yeah. own chemistry. And you kind of adjust a little bit to them and hopefully they adjust to you somewhat. Um, would you say that your approach to teaching transformed over years that you started one way and now you approach it in a different way, or has it been consistent throughout? Yeah, I think I've become less, um, I, I, I become more, uh, I just said less and more, didn't I? That was very good. Uh, I've become less, I've become more. I've always I've liked, prom- I've always liked the name less more. Less more. Let's, let's start writing <laughs> <laughs> a piece for less more. I, I've become, I think more, uh, I like the idea of a class being more of, of a, of a seminar. Um, lately when, I've been, uh, when you say uh, a seminar, you mean like a lecture? No, not a lecture. More of. People, oh, more, more like a workshop or a workshop of people t- of talking and interacting and and me being a lot less uh, formal about it and a lot more uh, conversational a lot more involving it's interesting though because when we 
the last time I taught was in the fall at, at, uh, at Point Park. That might be the last time I teach there for all I know. Well, I I, for many people. Yeah, but anyway, um, but I taught this script analysis class, freshman act, and we were mostly in person. Uh, most of the people didn't want to do a remote, a remote. So we were in this room and we were sitting far apart and we were all masked. And, I, and, it, and it ended up being that I had to mostly lecture, right? Sure. Um, because it just ended up being this kind of weirdly formal uh, position. Well, you had to really adjust during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. so that was that was interesting. Actually. And and acting would not be the same during a pandemic. Yeah, they actually asked me to teach an acting class, and I said, I no, no, I don't want to. You know, I don't want to. How do you teach an acting class when people can't go near each other? Well, it's a, it's look a at each other's bit, faces, or you know, we saw we during the pandemic we saw many things fly by our screens that were people doing performance pieces of one kind or another <laughs> just not not the same not as especially uh, there were some things that people did that were really interesting that they did just for the for screen for zoom or for right that, that they tailored to that that was interesting but when but i think play readings um on zoom were just not excruciatingly not that yeah dull yeah. And, and disconnected and yeah, yeah. Well, it's very challenging with, I mean, you know, thank goodness we have the technology for certain purposes. I just yeah. don't think it's, that's the right purpose for the technology, yeah. though people were desperate to have something in their life like it. So out it came and there it was, you either enjoyed it or you didn't. And and people came up with really interesting ways to use it to, to be expressive. Definitely. Um, but, but not but uh, but I think trying to do a play on you know on Zoom was didn't. I, I don't I don't really think that the theater, which has been around for more than twenty seven hundred years, has been threatened by the pandemic. Uh, no. it, it's been knocked off its you know uh, yeah. off balance for a little bit, but not, it's not going away. <laughs> oh, and it's interesting how people are like I think Quantum Theater is doing a, a show right now, right? They're doing a live show now. Correct. And and, and in a couple of weeks, I'm going to do a little my little solo my spotlight piece for city theater right uh we're doing there's six of us and we're doing them at city of asylum in a tent right for a couple of nights right right but the the thing that's interesting is that people are like oh thank god <laughs> oh thank god live theater oh i got oh, good i can i mean the yeah. people people who want who, who went to the theater before and who want theater want it even more now i think so i think it's i don't think the pandemic has it will, take, it will take a little a while maybe for people to get back on their feet, but I think people are so be so happy to go back. To people are ready to go back to it. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, so, all right. How do you refresh your well? How do you gain new inspiration or new um, feelings of like, I want to keep doing this? How, what do you do? Is it reading? Is it performing? Is it, what's, what's your, your well refresher? Yeah, uh, more than anything, reading. I think, and and I love and watching films. Um, <laughs> um, I just reminding yourself of great ideas and great characters, and and you know, I did this um, during the uh, pan pandemic. I, you know, a year ago, I guess now, I would sit on my front porch every, every pretty much every day, and I would write. I was writing these uh, sort of pandemic stories, but they actually were sort of like 
monologues. Um, they were just like some weird old guy sitting on his front porch, basically, <laughs> and looking at the world. And then I was kind of imagining scenarios between the weird old guy sitting on the porch and the people that I was seeing. Uh, the security guards from the school building, which is right across the parking lot from right. here, or some of my neighbors, or um, I even had a, a pair of talking doves because there are a lot of doves around my house. So I invented characters for these two doves. So it's like that uh, keeping your mind, oh, constantly keeping your mind busy and, and, and trying and being creative and create and making characters. And is that, is that the same sort of thing you go through during periods when you're not employed? Yes. So, so that, and that of course is a whole deal all by itself uh, to, to be a journeyman yeah. actor. Yeah. Uh, you're going to go through certain <laughs> periods of downtime. Journeyman actor. Yes. yes. Or a veteran actor is another veteran word, actor. Yes. yes. Uh, veteran character actor. <laughs> you're, you're, you've definitely had moments where uh, you weren't being employed by anybody. And, oh my God. Months and, and months. Yeah. And you have to keep your uh, wits about you and your sanity yeah, and, and all the rest of it. Yeah. Uh, and that's part of, you're saying this is part of your therapy, Be, I guess. Being creative yourself, though. I mean, that's the thing. You, you, you know, you, you, you don't, you can do that. Obviously, we, especially as, an, as actors and people in the theater and in, in, in uh, film and television, you, you want to you wanna be with other people and doing it for people, right? Mm -hmm. sure. But when you can't, um, you're still that creative being, right? You're still that, you know. One thing I did during the pandemic was when I wrote those stories, I actually read them, read a few of them on, on Facebook, to, just, just to perform. You read them as a, as a solo act with just- Yeah, I videotaped, you know, I, video, I, I videoed them and posted them on Facebook. Oh, that's kind of cool. Just to perform, you know, just to-, just to um, to keep your chops up. Keep the chops up. Yeah, keep the chops sharp. To um, keep the machine oiled, as they say. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, but for me, though, Steve, the first thing you said is the is the thing that I get the most out of, and then that's a, that would be an advice to young actors thing: is read, 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 read. Never stop reading. It's pretty much everything. Re it, it's it's. It's the food, you know, it's the nutrition, it's the sustenance. Would you say that um, that going to school as an actor, I, obviously you've taught, but right. do, you, do you think there are advantages to going to school and getting an education as an actor? Or has that petered out? Some people, there's a controversy right now about school in general. And what is your feeling about schooling? I think the controversy is, is complicated and, and I, don't is. Think, I don't think we have... <laughs> room to discuss it here because it has well, do you a think, lot to do, do with some other things that are going on in society I sure. think but but do you think people should still go to school to yes, learn to act yes yes because because what you learn in school is um, first of all you, you shouldn't school is not everything and it's not um, and it's not and that should be, it's not necessary for every human no i personally did not finish college so right um, so the, yeah but but you started you but went I started, to school right. yeah but I, and I kind of, in many ways, regret not finishing college in some ways because I think I was slower to realize things and slower to learn things because I didn't have the proper vocabulary. But the thing is, neither the people who teach school <laughs> nor the nor the students should uh, should be too obsessed by it um, or too. It's not um, it's not this monolithic thing, right? 
it's a, especially in a in the arts and especially in a field like the theater, which is a universe, right? Yeah, it's it's an aspect of things, right? And that's why that's the same thing I was just saying when I that I say to my the acting students, I say, there's lots of ways uh, to learn to act. To, you know, people will teach you about acting in a million ways. Uh, every acting teacher you have will teach you differently, probably, and you don't have to choose one thing or the other, or you can choose it for a while and and take something from it. Um, There's the woman at uh, Carnegie Mellon, Barbara McKenzie Wood used to say, you're just putting tools in your toolbox, right? And you don't have to put every, you don't have to stuff your toolbox. You don't have to put every tool there because not every tool, you're not gonna be good with every tool or you're not gonna be, uh, you don't have an affinity for every tool, right? You, you, you take the tools that work for you, the tools that you can use, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And don't be too orthodox or dogmatic about, about like learn the dogmas because there's good things there's there's there are good things in it like you know learn take a meisner class but don't make it your religion right so so school school for you is not an end-all and be-all no but it teaches you uh, one thing it does is it teaches you technique which is Mm -hmm. really helpful Mm -hmm. so it's 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 good for foundational work absolutely and and i think the other thing that school is really good for is and this might sound a little highfalutin, but it's good for so- socialization. You learn how to work with others because you're sort of forced to, so yeah. that you're you're not jumping in and don't know how that operates. And some of that is intuitive, and some of it isn't. And um, so, although I, the socialization that you do in school is really ends up being really different from the socialization you do when you once you start working professionally. Oh, oh, of course, because you end up in school, you sort of end up being with this cult of people <laughs> well, <laughs> of the other people in your class and well, you know, some, sometimes those people track you track for the rest of a career sometimes yeah. they're people you work with forever yeah, yeah. Um, so school has advantages in that way it is definitely not an end-all and be-all and the art no. that you're a professional in and the art that i'm a professional in you don't need school in order to to be in that profession no. but i think it's helpful it's it's hugely helpful it's a giant advantage so I've been speaking to Martin Giles now for almost an hour, if we can believe that. And um, it's flown, Steve. It's flown. Well, that's that's excellent. Um, so, <laughs> so you've already given us one crazy story. I'm wondering if you maybe have another you can share of of something bizarre or strange or funny or quirky or weird or just nuts. Well, there. I mean, at the new group, at my, you know, I, I described how we lived in. We had this little scruffy loft space, as Chris Ross knew used to call it innumerable <laughs> reviews um but um <laughs> but it was it was intimate it was an i mean the whole point was intimate theater right like Strindberg, right um that was our that was our theory right so so weird things would happen because people felt like they could they felt like it was wasn't the same as other theaters <laughs> so i mean so there's lots of stories about that i mean well tell one, us one tell well us one. Well, the one that one that always comes to mind for me is that there was uh, one night I was we were playing a scene in a bar, um, and the show was being done in the round, and we were sitting at the bar playing the scene, and these ladies, there was like these three old ladies who uh, were on one side of the stage, on the opposite side from the lobby, right, and they decided that their that they were, that the show was longer than they had uh, expected, so, and they had called access, and so they had to leave. And they got up and they they just walked right through the scene. And I said to, and I was sitting at the bar and the, so there's, and we were like, 
and so we started using the ladies in the scene and I was like, you know, can I buy you a drink ladies? You know, and they, they were like, and they here, and this, the interesting thing is right. They were like, I they they were in the, they were in the twilight. So they were kind of like, they went along with it and they were like, no, we have to go. Um, we're, <laughs> the show is longer than we thought. We have to ca catch access, right? And we're like, oh, you sure? Cause really we, you know, and I'm like, we really enjoyed the show. <laughs> <laughs> like we're still doing the show ma'am oh <laughs> you goodness. are now in it <laughs> oh, so that was yeah there was always things like that i mean there was one one time there was this guy who was one of our our, our regular audience members his name is bruce i'll never forget him and he was kind of a he was kind of a, a hippie sort of guy um and you can tell this was a long time ago right and um <laughs> And one day he just decided he was so comfortable coming to the new group theater that he would just sort of make it his living room and we're playing we're playing a play and it was a, I remember it was a really angry labor play too. Uh, it was written by this guy named Manny Freed who was a playwright from Buffalo who we had this you know, working class guy who we had this really good relationship. We did a bunch of his plays and he um, so but so we're doing this like you know labor play right and this guy is he goes to the side of the platform where the seating the seating platform he sits down he takes out some tupperware with healthy snacks puts it on the ground <laughs> next to him and he starts doing he starts doing yoga he like spreads his legs oh. out he's, so he's like out you know kind of in the spill light so you can kind of see him and he but he was decided he was there. I need to reach over and have a snack and stretch and you know you're like at intermission somebody went up to him and said Bruce, could you could you get in a seat? Do you mind? I mean, really, it's. And he goes, "Oh, I thought you guys would be cool with that." We're not that cool, Bruce. <laughs> so. he, he had he had mistaken you for his television set. For his well, yeah, but also you know his people. We were just as we thought we were hip, really hip people, and we would anything would go. You know? You'd be cool for you'd be up for anything. We would not. <laughs> yeah. All right. Last question for you, Martin. Okay. You've already given us a ton of really great advice, but do you have a solid piece of advice or a tip for those who are maybe thinking about breaking into to being an actor or a director or in the theater in some way, um, or maybe somebody who's in a little bit, but trying to just get to that next place? Yeah. You know, I'm terrible at like promoting myself. I'm like the worst at that sort of thing. So I won't talk about that in any, you know, like, but okay. I think there are things that you, there's, there are certain mindsets you should have to, uh, to, and to me, you know, to a certain degree, succeed. And one of them is to realize that everything is that that it's a subject. It's totally subjective. It's a subjective uh, business. Um, obviously, people are going to tell you how that you'll be failing forever, and yeah, you'll probably have drama teachers who say, "Get out now," <laughs> you know, but even before you started, right? if you persist with it, one thing you have to think about, think is that you never know why, entirely why you've been cast or why you have not been cast. And since you're not cast more often than you are cast, that's probably a valuable way to look at it. You don't know why. Um, I have, I could tell a million stories about, especially trying to audition for movies where you, you know, one time I was actually cast in a film um, it was a little independent film, but it was it was a it was a substantial film. Though. It was you know, and the director uh, and had hired this 
girl to play the, the leading girl and he hired me to play her father, which was a nice role. And then we were about to, you know, we were a couple of weeks away from starting and he said, Marty, I, he called me up and said, Marty, I'm, um, I'm afraid that I'm not gonna be able to use you in the film. And he apparently had caved to the girl um, who wanted to use her much older boyfriend to play her father. <laughs> so I wasn't in the film and this guy was in the film. And that's why I didn't get that part. You know, it's, so it's things like, there are things like that. You know, you, I, I auditioned for this one director for like, I auditioned for him five times. I had this relationship with him. He, he was, he wanted to use me in a number of small, you know, the small things. And then the producer came in and, and saw the auditions and decided he didn't like me. And, you know, and the director actually, and said, no, I don't want to use that guy. And the director, you know, I had to call me up and say, I'm sorry, Marty, we dragged you on for weeks, you know, so. So it's, so you, don't, you don't ever, and also you just don't know what people are looking for, what they like, what they don't like, right? It's, so to me, it's uh, don't, you know, stab yourself, <laughs> you know, uh, too hard because you never know why you didn't, why you did not get cast. The other thing I would say is treat everybody, everybody you work with, with respect and I mean everybody <laughs> because working in the theater particularly is like being in a Dickens novel <laughs> you never know when <laughs> a person that you're working for will return will reappear in uh, you know a different position or different relations <laughs> right you know then in 15 years they're the artistic director <laughs> that, you're, that you're auditioning for so um, <laughs> Um, obviously, well, we should treat people with respect, you know, because that's supposed to be what, we, what we're about anyway. But, but for the in the purely practical sense, <laughs> it all comes back. It's amazing. Well, well that, that that's that's very wise advice, and I, I've said to many people many times, you know, it, the old cliche: be nice to everybody on the way up, because you may see them again on the way back down. And well, yeah. And so it's uh, it's really important that you do treat everyone you work with and as you say you mean everyone uh from the everyone. from the guard at the gate to the to the person that uh, cleans up to uh right. to the director and so on with respect and and human yeah, decency consideration. Yeah. there's there's no um there's no there's no downside to treating everyone with respect no and um and you're you end up being a better actor too um, mm. <laughs> I think mm. I really think that, I really believe that's true Very because good. the other thing is there's not often there's not so much up there's not uh, just a way up and a way down you know there it's it's there's like ups and downs and uh, there's it's a like roller this, coaster it's a roller coaster and it's a weird continuum too so it's it's not even uh, it can, you can't reduce it to, to something arithmetic in a way it's uh, you, it's always surprising. You never know. Well, and the only consistency is the only thing that you can do consistently is is be a good a good colleague and coworker. Yeah, and that you have complete control over. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. so, and that's not subjective, right? That no. is a, an objective reality, if ever there was one. It truly is. Well, yeah. Martin Giles, this has been a fantastic hour on the oh, story thanks, beat. Steve. And, it really um, has flown. It's been really fun. It's been a terrific uh, chat, and, and I, I'm so grateful for you coming on the show and, and sharing your experiences and you know what it's all about to, to be a working actor. So thank you so much. Thank you. I, I really appreciate it. It's been great. And so we've come to the end of today's story beat. 
If you like this episode, won't you please take a moment to give us a comment, rating, or review on whatever app or platform you're listening to. Your support helps us bring more great StoryBeat episodes to you. StoryBeat is available on all major podcast apps and platforms, including Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, and many others. Until next time, I'm Steve Cuden, and may all your stories be unforgettable.